DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. NFL Draft coming up Thursday. PK, I'm looking at some of the mock drafts. Jordan Love is all over the board. It is impossible for me to predict where he's going to go. I think that'll be that and the whole, uh, you know, is Tua and uh, Herbert, how are those guys going to go at five and six? Is somebody going to trade up to take one of them at three? Those seem like the two big dramas at the top of the draft. Quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. Yeah, it's a quarterback-driven draft when you have this many, and that's apparently the case. I've also heard that Washington now is considering offers for number two, which we thought the kid from Ohio State Young on the D-line was going to go. And if Washington trades out, then right after the first pick, you have some form of chaos. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch Thursday. I'm looking forward to it. Thursday night, round one, and then they'll have the second and third rounds on uh, Friday and then the rest of the draft, four through seven, on Saturday. And I assume we will be talking about it nonstop because it's a little lean out there in the world of sports right now. NFL had their, uh, had their mock draft and had some issues, but they seem to have gotten most of them worked out. John Elway did some interviews and said it's going to be fine, so it won't have any uh, technology tripping them up. Everybody knows how... Zoom works and how to mute themselves, and they won't go through the delays. The Bengals win. It took them two and a half minutes to make the first pick when we all know what the first pick has been for weeks and months. Time to bring in Evan Brennan right now, NFL Players Association certified agent for United Athlete Sports, representing five local players from three of the uh, local colleges here. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. We make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Please visit Sprint.com for Online services and local store availability. Evan, good morning. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming back on. And I'm curious, before we get to any of the individual guys, how much were all the agents scrambling with uh, the coronavirus upending everything and all the usual routines having to go out the window? Uh, It was a wild deal. But uh, if you are prepared, you shall not fear. It's really that simple. Um, But it was a wild, wild, wild few weeks for sure, making sure everyone knew about your guys and uh, making sure that the NFL teams had the latest and greatest uh, information on them. I'm wondering how important film work became because you couldn't meet with the guys individually. There were no pro days, all that stuff. But you got all sorts of film, and you got a lot of time. So did the film work and the study thereof take on a higher level of importance? It did. You know, um, a lot of agents, including myself, uh, time, uh, attempted to do these, uh, you know, proxy pro days. Um, and NFL teams, you know, they, they appreciate it. They, they really did. and They looked at it. Um, but at the end of the day, it just meant that, uh, a player's collegiate film, what he did at an all-star game, what he did at the NFL Combine took a amplified um, importance to them. And so um, I think a lot of teams spent a lot of time watching tape, uh, knowing that there weren't going to be pro days, weren't going to be private visits, uh, weren't going to be private workouts. If someone allowed me to be GM, I'd, I'd probably wreck their franchise. But as I was wrecking their <laughs> franchise, I think the things I would really value is all the film work, but then the chance to have all the conversations for people to tell me what somebody's like, and then to actually sit down and interview somebody. Because all that, I think all that matters a lot. But when you can't sit down and interview somebody and get to know them, and you're doing conversations over Zoom, I wonder how many of the players struggled with that, or how many of the executives, in your opinion, struggled with that, and how much does that change things? Because it isn't 
it isn't what is considered normal. It isn't what we're used to, but it's really the best you could do uh, in the last few weeks. I agree. I definitely agree with that. And again, that's why I think that, you know, where they could do sit down interviews um, at the combine, their all-star games, those players have a tremendous advantage. Players that were, you know, relying on their pro day and, you know, could really appear on the radar after that and, and then get those later interviews and visits in uh, late March, early April, they're at a disadvantage because teams just, you know, through no fault of their own, may not feel as comfortable with them because they haven't had a chance to have those in-person, uh, close-knit uh, interviews. They have done Zoom, FaceTime, phone calls. I mean, I've got some players that have double-digit ones of those, uh, but they can't replace uh, what uh, could have occurred in person. So for those guys that are on the bubble who don't get drafted, you know, we know there's a free agent frenzy right after the last round. And because football is a numbers game, those players have pretty good opportunities, some of them, to make teams because they make them every year, and it's not that big of a deal. I'm just wondering, this year, without that usual circumstances that they have, what does it mean for those guys? It's interesting. There's a lot of uh, cause and effect there. There's also not going to be rookie minicamp. There's also, you know, not going to be tryouts. And there's not really going to be much until training camp, whenever that's going to be. And so a lot of your rookie players are at a very large disadvantage in learning schemes. And so NFL teams are predicting fewer and fewer rookie players actually making their rosters. And so what they're doing, a lot of teams, take the Lions, um, for example, they've come out and even said this, is um, normally we would cut right before the draft several players to make room for our rookie class. We're not going to do that. We're going to sign a much smaller rookie class um, after the draft and rely on players um, to be camp bodies, for lack of a better term, that have already gone through this for a year or two. And um, but we're just going to shy away from that because we don't believe that some of these rookies can really learn uh, without a tr- proper mini camp and OTAs uh, how to be a pro. So it, it, there's a lot of cause and effect. But on the flip side, yeah, you're going to have some players that are probably pretty darn good slip through the cracks and, and go undrafted this year and be able to pick where they want to go. And that's going to be huge is can I pick a scheme that I can learn? Can I pick a coaching staff that's actually going to teach me, that's going to be able to deal uh, with this strange new environment? Those are all considerations for some pretty good players that probably will slip to the cracks. So there are five teams that hired new coaches this year, I think, unless I'm missing somebody. Would you want your players going there in this situation or not? If everything else is equal, and I, I get that everything else is rarely equal, but if everything else is equal, do those present better opportunities or the fact there's going to be so little learning time are those really opportunities that are just kind of the last resort? In a lot of cases, I would because they've got they've got an opportunity, particularly to unseat a veteran, because the veteran's going to you know be at a disadvantage too um, with learning that scheme, and the coaching staff is not going to be as emotionally otherwise tied down to quote unquote incumbents, and so it presents opportunity that would otherwise not exist. Will it be a challenge in learning a new scheme? Yes, and that's a little bit of a gamble, but. Um, you know, a lot of these teams, too, that kept coach, head coaches may have changed the coordinator or position coach, and so there may be some learning there. So I think wherever we go, it's going to be a strange place. But I particularly like, you know, staffs with new coaching staffs because of, uh, you know, the opportunity to unseat a veteran is amplified then at a place where everyone's pretty solid. I'm wondering what will happen to a kid like Josh Nurse because you look at him, right? He's long, he's lean, he can move. 
and he played at the U of U. And he didn't play defensive back the entire time, but the U of U has had a great history of putting a lot of defensive backs into the NFL. How much do you think that because they don't have opportunities with pro days and whatnot and all this stuff, that might actually help him because we know, man, if he's going to play defensive back and get on the field against at the University of Utah, he's probably got to be pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. The reputation of the University of Utah uh, precedes itself with defensive back development. Uh, Josh is a very long rangey defensive back, great speed uh, for his size, uh, can play press man, which is something that, you know, certain NFL schemes in particular really, really value. Uh, teams like, you know, Cleveland, uh, teams like Baltimore, teams like Jacksonville really want these big press man corners. And so the schemes like that, that play less quarters, less cover three, Josh is going to be, you know, highly coveted. And there have been a lot of calls on Josh, no doubt. Evan Brennan joining us. He is a certified agent for United Athlete Sports, represents several local uh, players. Uh, we know you've got the tie to Josh Nurse. Are you representing other youths right now or no? No, uh, that's, that's my that's my youth of the year. We're keeping it nice and small. Okay. Uh, for the Cougars, you represent several Cougars. You know, BYU fans, uh, it's, it's pretty intense. They're going to have to listen to a bunch of Ute fans in the neighborhood brag about how many – how many Utes get drafted, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever the number ends up being. Uh, the Cougars, where might they stick? What do they offer? How could they get into the league even if they're not drafted? Oh, Diane first, Diane Lake, and Wallaku. Uh, very versatile, speedy defensive back, special teams ace. Um, I mean, he's talked to just about every play, or team in the league, FaceTimes with defensive backs, coach, across the league. I mean, even the Patriots uh, did a FaceTime with him yesterday. Um, easily could stick in as kind of a special teams guy that teams want to run down on punt and kick and make tackles and plays. He's a guy that can back up, you know, starting nickel or could be the starting nickel and could uh, back up, you know, safeties and other corners across the roster. So it was very, very, very tough at the PFA. A lot of HIFO, similar, but on the offensive side of the ball, has the ability to punt return, speedy, great agility, uh, can play in the slot. And uh, it's hard to find true punt returners right now. This is an extremely deep wide receiver class. You can go 60, 70 deep. Um, probably one of the deepest in the last 10 years. And so Lowe's got to fight numbers more than anything. Uh, but he's had several calls and expect to see him um, definitely getting a lot of love um, uh, on Saturday. Have you heard anything about Jordan Love? I know he's not your client, but I'm just wondering if what you've heard. He's a very polarizing uh, prospect for sure. Uh, there's some teams that, you know, really love the tools they see there. Um, you know, he's got some good athleticism and mobile ability. Needs to work with the honest decision-making. You know, uh, I've had teams say, hey, this is a guy, I don't understand why he's getting first-round love. He's more of a fifth-round pick for us as a high-developmental guy. And there are other teams that are just very, very high on the, the tools, and they kind of see – um, a guy that can, uh, you know, be groomed in a year or two and, and, and be a, a starter uh, for sure, very similar to the, uh, the Buffalo Bills quarterback out of Wyoming two years ago. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, he has attractors and he has some, some very high supporters. Um, there, he, he does have some raw tools that are hard to find, but it'll be interesting to see how much he's overcome some of his um, more decision-making uh, deficiencies. I think I think he does go in the first round. I think there is a team that, uh, you know, you only need one, obviously, that uh, says, the heck with it, we're going to take him, and they do. 
So I've seen some debates when you use the word polarizing. I thought you hit it spot on there. There are people who are like, and they'll show, you know, they'll show a film of them, whatever NFL draft analyst is, and some of the outrights, some of the outrights, some of the out routes, some of the throws he makes, like you, you either can do that or you can't, and most people just don't have the arm to do it. And as far as the interceptions, there are people who say, well, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, nine new starters around him. Of course, there were going to be problems in the offense. He wasn't going to repeat that year. But I've, I've seen people just crush him for like, well, you just can't stare down a guy on the far sideline, throw the ball over there, and think you're not going to throw a pick six. And you have got to see linebackers underneath coverage. It doesn't matter who the coach is. So are those some of the specifics when you say he's polarizing, that those are the arguments that, that people are making? Yeah, and a lot of times uh, you're going to have a new OC quite often in the NFL, and so that that can't be an excuse. Um, you've got to be intelligent enough to pick up the scheme lightning quick. For players that aren't drafted as high as that, that could be the reason you're cut. You just can't pick up the scheme that quick. And so the concern is this guy's going to be slow to pick up an NFL offensive scheme. I think that hurts his stock uh, considerably. But you're right. I mean, some of the throws that he's able to make at the size he is and the, the mobility that he has for a guy that size – those are things that NFL teams believe they can groom, they can augment, and they can really, really work with. Other quarterbacks that may be a little further ahead in the decision-making ability simply do not have. And so that's what's causing a lot of that debate. I mean, the BYU tape's not kind to him. A lot of linebackers he doesn't see in crossing routes and out routes. Um, but there's some other games where he just makes some of these throws and you're like, oh, my goodness, how's that even possible? And then, like I said, the athleticism, size, uh, there's a lot of prototypical stuff there that uh, you typically only find in the first round. From your experience, as teams are looking at kids, do the negatives get amplified more than they should be relative to the positives? What do they focus on? Yeah, and it really depends. Team by team, player by player, position by position. When you get a cornerback that runs in the four sixes, it's going to be really hard to find interest for him. Teams just need speed. You get a guy on the offensive line that has really short arms, built toward the middle finger, it's going to be pretty hard. He's going to get labeled as a center only, and that really drops his stock. Um, you get a kid that's been injured a lot, that's really going to hurt him. Uh, a guy that's dinged up a lot is going to um, get canceled out by the trainer. You get a guy that's had a lot of character problems, eh, maybe some teams can live with that depending on who the team is and what, what it is. But this year, they'll be particularly hurt because they don't have a lot of those in-person interviews where they can really assuage some of those concerns. And so I think it's it's player by player. What's the upside talent-wise versus the low side with the deficiency? Um, it's position by position. You know, what do our metrics say? What are our parameters for the position? How far is it from that? And then uh, really team by team by team. Some teams stick very, very heavily to do parameters and metrics, kind of a money ball situation. And some are more willing to kind of look outside of that, really trust the tape um, and trust their scouts. So it's a little bit of everything, to be honest. How much is everything that's happened the last few weeks going to change business in the NFL permanently and kind of set a new normal? And how much is everything going to go back to normal as soon as that is possible? You know, I think the number one thing is is teams will communicate differently. You know, um, this will allow some general managers that may have been behind the times to kind of update their communication skills, some of their databases, and and some of the things that are more, you know, 21st century, for lack of a better term. Uh, So I do think that will change. Um, I do think that it'll it'll, um, make teams 
really look at film much more heavily um, outside of just metrics, 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 because, um, you know, they've had to this year uh, where, you know, two-thirds of pro days didn't happen. Um, they were really forced to look at film. So I think those two things in particular will make things differently. I think that it'll allow teams to see how connected the world is via online and doing different seminars and you know, things like that can be very accomplished online. I mean, right now the player, the veteran players are going through, you know, veteran mini camps um, and veteran OTAs via, you know, Zoom and recorded video. Um, I'm not saying that that is going to be the case moving forward. Teams aren't happy about that, and it's not ideal. But the idea that it can be done um, is uh, going to allow for other things to occur uh, communication-wise. We've heard the college season is going to happen one way or another, even if they have to push it back X amount of days and months, whatever it might be. Feel that's the same thing as far as the NFL? Very bullish on the NFL. Um, because the TV deal is the major, major driver, even more so pro football than college football, I feel very bullish on that. Um, even if it's pushed back just a week or two, it's going to happen. I mean, um, even if it's, it occurs with limited fans or no fans in the, in the seats, it's going to happen. There's just way too much money at, at stake without some of the politics that exist in college football college football without some of the university stuff that exists in college football the nfl will will take place this fall it's a matter of when do you think any of the teams will have to move around i mean we've heard the governor of california say he can't see games with fans in the stands now maybe they play in empty stadiums everybody can make an easy charger joke here if they want um but do you think the nfl could just play in front of no one or temporarily move to other states because they just have to provide the tv content no matter what yeah, I mean, that's kind of a worst-case scenario. Like I said, I think the season happens no matter what. But, yeah, I mean, there's probably two or three kind of worst-case scenarios. That's one where, you know, they have to uh, play the games in Vegas or Arizona uh, for the California teams. I mean, I, you're, you know, I've seen articles float around that if the Raiders stadium's not done, they'll play the game here in Salt Lake. So, I mean, yeah, that's definitely on the table. But I think that's very far down the road. Um of, of a possibility could happen certainly i mean new york's another place where you look at uh where the, the giants and jets play um in right there in new jersey and that, that's obviously uh on the table as well uh last thing before we let you go jonah williams weber state uh what are nfl teams saying about him very strong chance of being drafted very very strong chance of being drafted um obviously uh you know all-American defensive lineman, super long and enormous. I had a director of college scouting call me yesterday that saw him at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl and saw him walk by. I went, yep, that's an NFL player. Where's he going? Um, ran a laser time, 4.67 at 281 pounds, uh, at 6'5", uh, sub-7, three-cone, just absolutely shattered everything, plus the size and toughness is, is incredible. Um yeah, he's got a very strong 80-plus percent chance of being drafted um, on Saturday. Evan, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the air with us. No problem. Thanks so much.